0: Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 54. And no Justin tonight. So if you were hoping for thoughtful analysis, you might just want to skip ahead to the next episode. It's just Sam and I tonight, um, but we are talking Husky football, and we're excited to be talking Husky football, and that's because spring practice begins this week. Sam, how are you feeling tonight? What are you sipping on in uh, in anticipation of you know a little bit of light pads and you know spring weather out there? Just just. Installing the new offense, just, you know, uh, running around, getting getting back out out there and getting the muscles moving a little bit. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm excited to put the pads on, get out there with the guys.
0: (laughs) Just show up. How'd you get here?
1: (laughs) I'm the new quarterback. I don't know who who this Michael Penix Jr. guy is.
0: Hey, our running back room, we only have like three healthy guys. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. There there you go. That would work.
1: Yeah. I'm good. I'm excited for spring ball just to get our first look at DeBoer's team and the program and and the different offense that we'll kind of see. I think it's just like a fresh look at the team is always really exciting. I think we have mentioned it a ton of times. I mean, obviously, with the disappointment of last season, part of the reason it was so disappointing was because we felt like we had so much talent on the team. And so it'll be exciting to see, you know how the 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 talent kind of develops under DeBoer so I'm really excited that spring ball is finally here it feels like it's been a long what yeah three months three and a half months since we hired DeBoer so right it'll be nice to finally have some reports on what things look like on the field for tonight I'm keeping it keeping it OG classic old number seven Jack Daniels on the rocks and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it what are you sipping on
0: treating you right yeah hitting all the right spots Always does. uh i got uh mild mr reliable for at least i mean in these months the scotch monkey shoulder blended monkey scotch whiskey shoulder courtesy of you of you sam so thank you for yeah bringing that over on my birthday i know it's been a couple months but we haven't really recorded that much either since usually my podcast drink so yeah that's um true. so but obviously, like we said off the bat, Justin's not joining us tonight. He's got uh, some really exciting news to share, maybe on the next podcast. I don't want to take that from him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they uh, just stay tuned for that one, guys. And there's a good reason why <laughs> why you missed this episode. Um, so so obviously, we're we're excited for 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 Justin though. Um, anything else you want to touch on real quick before? We kind of dive in. I feel like we're probably just going to do this like position by position. Um, I don't know if you want to like lay out kind of the general like scope or like, yeah. I don't know, just the general feeling of the program kind of at this point going into spring ball. And then we can kind of go into positions. Um, I just feel like there needs to be a little bit of <laughs> like, I don't know, Segway. minutia there. Just, yeah, some kind of segue there, you know. So, um yeah, I, I guess not only like, um general feeling about the program but how are you feeling about the program as well like kind of going into spring
1: yeah i i mean kind of like i mentioned earlier just excited to see what this the new schemes look like on offense and defense it's going to be a big change on both sides you're going to see familiar faces in different positions which is always an exciting thing to kind of see get sussed out during the spring ball um Overall, I, I feel I'm really positive on DeBoer. I think whether it's listening to his press conferences or how he's welcomed the alumni back, it seems like every week he's posting a picture with like lawyer Malloy or Stanley Daniels or Jordan Reffitt's mm-hmm. in the house or Jermaine Curse is in the house. So it's been really good to see him embrace the tradition. It makes me feel like him and his staff understand the tradition or You know, the prestige that us Husky fans want Husky football to continue to be. And I think he feels that in a personal way that he wants to continue that tradition, which I think is probably just the first thing to get nailed down. Like, I think he went and visited Carol James in her home and like walked through Don James' old office with like the dog father posters and trophies and all that. So that was like super cool to see. So I think for me, just as a Husky fan, seeing. DeBoer and his staff embrace what it means to be a Husky, you know, first what it means to be a Husky fan is really cool. Right. And then, you know, I know we've kind of touched on it when we went through this, you know, filling out the coaching staff. I just think the continuity that the staff has with one another, that so many of these faces have followed DeBoer from back in his Sioux Falls days, like 15, 20 years ago. And so that's really exciting to me. To have a group of coaches that trust one another, they know one another, I think that really sets the tone at, at the high level in terms of leadership and trust in one another, and that will trickle down to the team, which I think is super probably you know of paramount importance in my opinion. Yeah, um,
0: especially with this team right now, I mean, like oh yeah, that entire trust was broken with under jimmy lake's Jimmy Lake's watch, so like yeah gonna need to rekindle all that
1: yeah so i'd say like in terms of on the field stuff i'm really excited to just get started and see what it looks like i think the other big piece of it's recruiting which we're not going to get into too much here but april should right. be a huge recruiting month with you know hosting recruits coming to check out spring practice and whatnot so that should pick up but you know mm-hmm. i think it's going to be tough i Jimmy Lake and that staff really dug us into a hole, particularly with the local recruits. So, you know, if I had a nitpick where I'm not feeling great about DeBoer quite yet is definitely in the recruiting realm. There just hasn't been any like sure. tangible rewards yet. And it's only been three months. Like we, we should definitely remind ourselves of that. But I'm really optimistic and excited about the product that will be on the field both this spring, but particularly the fall. And then I think recruiting will kind of sort itself out from there. So that's kind of like my, my general thoughts and sentiments. What about yours?
0: Yeah. I mean, just playing off of your recruiting um, topic there, just like it obviously hasn't, we haven't, we haven't seen or reaped any of the rewards that um, that we've kind of been looking for. And, you know, I mean, You see a lot of these top talents still kind of going elsewhere right now, um, for 2022 and even starting in 2023, some of these guys that are kind of early committing right now are committing elsewhere or looking elsewhere. Um, I will say that there is a very intentional, um, effort by this staff to stress hometown kids though. And, um, more so than in the past. And I feel like yeah. that they know that that matters a lot. They know it matters to the fan base a lot too. And it means a lot to the fan base. Um, and they, wanna, they want to, they want to push this agenda of like, basically um, loyal having to the pride. Soil. Yeah. Well, loyal to the soil is yeah, obviously the, the hashtag and the, the saying that they're going with, but like this hometown pride, you know, aspect basically like they want to, they want to push that and they want to, um, highlight like, you know, lawyer Malloy has been huge, like with like a lot of their like hype videos and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, guys like him that obviously were local kids that went on to do great things as Huskies. I mean, we're talking a long time ago, but, um, still vibes with today's generation. I feel like, you know, oh, he's yeah. a, he, he's a, I mean, he's a badass dude, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah
0: um decades still know the, the name oh yeah yeah kids st- still know the name lawyer mulloy so um it'd be awesome to get like buddha baker and like vita vea a little bit more involved i feel miles like um, i think miles has been there though hasn't he yeah
1: that... he's, he's been there a little bit yeah i think it's just hard with like active nfl players they're so I get busy. It. yeah i
0: I get it, but I it'd be really cool for them to like bring in some of those guys. I feel like um, that would just help in the efforts as well. And maybe we'll um, see just some vibing more of with that the current
1: in the spring, like coming back to do yeah practices and yeah. Whatnot.
0: And maybe they have yeah they they might have plans in the works to to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, what you said with I mean, and we were saying this last year, right? That we needed like positive momentum in recruiting, and we just need to get on the field and let our play do the talking a little bit that obviously, you know, didn't work out last year, but um, it's a, it seems like a completely different situation now. Like it's, it's apples and oranges, I think, but we're still kind of, I mean, the point is the same, you know, that I think kids need to see what DeBoer's, especially on the offensive side of the ball, what that offense is all about and see it work. It's magic in pac 12 play um, to be attracted to it. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of kids that are just kind of like wait and see mode. Like they, like they, they're excited about the coaching staff and stuff when they meet them, but they need to see it. And like, they're interested, their ears are perked, I think, but they're not really putting us at the top until they really see it. So yeah, um, I agree. I will say like, That it sounds like, I mean, we're more in on Caleb Presley than I thought we might be like a guy like that. So like, it sounds like the the guys that we're hosting, it sounds like we're rolling out the red carpet for them. We're really stressing like that. Each of the kind of the top talents in state are getting a little bit more one-on-one time with the coaches rather than being in like a group setting, Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome as well. Um, Really shows that you care about them, that you are putting an emphasis on keeping them home. So I I just want to like commend the staff's effort at like doing that from the get-go. Now, it should only get better, you know, as time goes right. on and they get a little bit more um hype around them. But um but I think I think it's a I think it's a good start in that area. We just we're probably not going to see the rewards for it um at least for several months. So
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um as far as like this team though, yeah, I mean I I think I think it's a good team, man. I think I think we should be good this year, and it's it's exciting to see. It's going to be exciting to see how DeBoer utilizes the talent that we know that we have, um, just overall, and I think uh, on both sides of the ball, that's that's the case. So um, I think this will be our first crack at kind of seeing what that's going to look like a little bit. You know, a little bit of a different defense, a much different offense, mm-hmm. um, and I think just the the um the character of the team I think is just going to be different too. Like as far as just the the effort and the mentality of how these guys work, um, which I think it obviously needed needed to be done. Um, and I hope that that's that's kind of one of the things that I'm looking for. I think in spring ball is just like kind of like what what is the mentality of these players and like like how attention to detail they are. In, in learning this new, this new uh, offensive defense and the coaching staff in general.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I mean, one of the other things and the main reason I'm optimistic is everywhere coach DeBoer has gone, it's been an immediate turnaround on offense. And I think right. we'll get into this depth chart now. It's like, we have the talent to have a really good offense as long as we find a quarterback. So I think we're <laughs> <cut> there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, uh, all three of the kind of, I guess, well, not there's technically four, I guess, but both coordinators or two of the coordinators, two of the three coordinators and DeBoer had press conferences today and spoke at length um, with mm-hmm. the media. Um, kind of, they're more, I guess, I mean, not Deboer's, but a little bit more of like Grub and uh, Morel's, like kind of first extended time. I felt like with the media, yeah.
1: Um,
0: and I, I thought they were great. I think I thought, I mean, I, I liked what I he- heard from them. Obviously, we've we've gone down that road before, but um, first glance, I I thought they passed the test. Um, and yeah, we got a, a three way battle at quarterback, um, and that's that's both according to Grubb and uh, to Deboer. Um, Grubb stressed that like each of these guys is going to get equal reps with both the first and second team through the first four practices. I think that was kind of the main takeaway that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, but three, three names are Michael Penix Jr., the transfer from Indiana, um, that we've talked about on the podcast before. And then obviously the two, the two guys that we had kind of in the system last year was Sam Heward and Dylan Morris. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on the on the quarterback position going into spring ball? And um, did you have any like kind of other observations in Grubb's press conference um, around this position, like kind of going into the, into, into the first practice?
1: I think the only thing that you didn't mention was Camden Sermon has got moved from being a walk-on backup Correct. quarterback to the running back group. It sounded like that was going to be more of like, an experimental thing in the spring and if it doesn't work out at running back that they would kind of just maybe move him back to being a QB but I think with those three guys that you mentioned in a three-way competition battle they're just not going to be enough reps to you know really give anybody else a chance at quarterback so I think that makes sense um it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out like I've seen multiple people with different opinions and like strong opinions why they think all mm-hmm. oh, each of these three could win. Like I know Fetters thinks For sure. Morris is going to be the starting quarterback and people are like, what
0: are you doing? <laughs> did you watch last year, bro?
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And then like you know, I think the Sam Heward hype train took a pretty big hit in the Apple Cup. So I think people are cooling sure. off on the idea of him being a starter right away. And then, you know, Michael Penix Jr. coming in from Indiana, I think the majority of people would assume that he's got a leg up on the competition, and that's the camp that I'm in right now. I mean, he's played for DeBoer before, and when he has played, he's been really, really good. Like, Mm -hmm. he was a midseason Heisman candidate, like favorite. I think he threw for like four touchdowns or five touchdowns against Ohio State that year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, mm-hmm. when he's healthy, I would be surprised if either Sam Heward or Dylan Morris would beat him out. It's just it's just like the vibe that I get.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I Grubb said it himself that Penix has a leg up a little bit as, as far as um, playbook install right now, that he's just obviously more familiar. I mean, he, yeah. he followed that with that, like, oh, but dylan and sam are making great strides and like learning very quickly and stuff like that too so um so i mean there's no doubt that he definitely has has the leg up right now um the other thing i did want to point out too here sam is that we do have a number change at the quarterback room We do. and i'm wondering if uh dylan morris is trying to just you know find a better version of, of himself become a little <laughs> bit different by changing his number from 9 to 5 so i thought that was a little bit interesting too
1: yeah i think there's a couple i've ha- i went through a couple different thought processes on his number change from 9 to 5 the first was the same as yours like oh he's just you know looking for a clean start clean yeah. jersey like Fresh get late. rid of that bad mojo from number 9 but then mm-hmm. michael Penix jr has always worn number 9 so there's a thought like, okay, maybe I, I'll give him his number. I'll get a new number. But then after even more research, I realized Dylan Morris wore number five, his whole high school career and McGrew sure. has had it his entire time here. So I think it just kind of worked out. We're like, yeah, Morris wanted to get his number that he likes, which is number five. And it just turns out that, you know, Pennix junior gets his number number nine and everybody's happy. So that's great until Penix Jr. gets named the starter and Dylan Morris is like, okay, do I stay or do I go?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I will also say that, I mean, I really, I'm glad that they're going to split the reps through the first four practices. I'm interested. It's a little interesting that they say the first four practices though. And like, what does that mean after that? Um, and it seemed like Ryan Grubb was a little bit more open to possibly having a starter kind of coming out of spring. He didn't like, would be for so sure. Say, he didn't for sure say that was going to happen. And they said that like, I mean it, he, I think even whenever Hainer won the job down at Fresno state, that was a fall camp battle. And he's like, yeah, that, I mean, it would be fine. Like we would make it work, but mm-hmm. it sounds like honestly, in the ideal situation, he might have a starter coming out of spring. So we'll see what happens there. Um, that's very different from our, our previous two staffs as far as oh, yeah. quarterback competitions go. So, um, I will say though, I mean, with, with Penix's injury history, like, I mean, here, here and Morris, they, I mean, they have to practice like they're, they're going to be playing, you know, like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a sure thing that even if Penix wins the job coming out of spring that he's going to be healthy day one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I hope that they still give the reps out to all these guys a bit, at least like basically throughout spring. Um, That's just what I have in the back of my mind. But um, I mean, if Penix is head and shoulders above these guys.
1: Just go with it. Like don't
0: play the games. Yeah. Yeah. Give them the ball.
1: And I think like that was my takeaway too from, you know, the early introductory press conferences, but then even just today and you've kind of alluded to it with D.C., Chuck Morrell and uh, Ryan Grubb, offensive coordinator. I just feel like this staff is a lot more open. Like they just seem a lot more relaxed and comfortable talking to the media. Yeah, authentic is totally like they're just, of course, there's coach speak in there. You're never not going to have that when you're talking to a coach, but I just feel like. I was surprised when Greb was as open as he was about like, yeah, Penix Jr. has played in the system. He's played for DeBoer. Like, yeah, he is ahead of the group. And then he, right. like you said, he kind of recovered that a little bit towards the end, but I just appreciate that, you know, they're not trying to like divert attention of the media and the fans. And it's just like, yeah, this is what it is. And it's kind of been refreshing so far and we'll see how long that, stays that way or if it bites him in the ass with a you know bigger (laughs) program bigger media it might but i think that's been a refreshing thing so you know it'll be really interesting to watch i do anticipate i think it'll be obvious by the end of spring who the quarterback's gonna be and i do think it's gonna be michael Penix jr
0: yeah yeah i mean i if you're just everything s- seems to favor him as far as you know the his experience in the offense, his experience overall, yeah, in big games as well, his success, yeah. <laughs> as a quarterback uh, when he's been healthy, um, as well as his playmaking ability. I think uh is is more um more elite than the other two at this mm-hmm. stage in his career as well. So, um, which I think it, I mean. DeBo- I, I think it's DeBoer, It's either Deborah or Grubb has stressed that word before, playmaking ability at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, and if that's what they're looking for, it just it just seems to scream Penix. So that's I'm I'm very much in agreement with you, Sam, that I, I would be mildly surprised, I think, if if it was anyone else but Michael Penix Jr. Um Yeah, and I think lead, like leading the quarterback room.
1: As confident as we feel in Michael Penix Jr.'s abilities coming in, like if he does get beat out by Sam Heward or Dylan Morris, like that's only a good thing.
0: Like it should be. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Like Michael Penix Jr. isn't a isn't just a guy. He's not a dud. Yeah. And so if he's getting beat out fair and square, like that's a good sign that Sam Heward and Dylan Morris are have like progressed significantly from where they were in the fall. So as all springs go recently, everybody's going to be focused on the QB battles. And yeah, I think this, this spring and potentially this fall won't be any different. Um, But there's, I mean, just with the new staff, there's going to be position battles up and down this roster. And honestly, running back is not going to be any different and yeah quite honestly this spring running back is in a little bit of a pickle that room is thin. in a pickle <laughs> yeah.
0: a little thin bob
1: you want to go over the injury updates with that room
0: uh, yeah <laughs> do we have time uh yeah i guess so um <laughs> we're, we're we're on schedule right we're yeah, never yeah, on yeah. schedule uh we have four running backs on this injury list of six guys so um Richard Newton. Obviously he was out with the ACL um, um, towards the end of last season and he is out um, still rehabbing cam Davis has been uh, has been ruled out for the spring as well. Uh, We're not sure exactly what's going on with him. They didn't really expand upon that. So I'm assuming he's going to be back for fall, but uh, he's out for spring, not even like limited Running back, Mecca Megwa is also likely out for all of spring. This is still rehabbing a high school injury. Um, he early enrolled last year, so um, he's gotten maybe a little bit more familiar with the playbook and stuff like that than he would have if he had come in now yeah. um, for for spring practice and enrolled now. But um, And I think for him, the big he's...
1: piece there was to get to UW to help rehab the injury he sustained yeah. In his oh yeah for sure season so i think he's probably it sounds like he's getting close to returning but it just might not be enough for spring
0: right yeah and if even if he does come back it's going to be super limited you know i mean he he might put on shoulder pads and do a little bit of conditioning on the side or yeah. something like that take a few take a few handoffs, but i doubt he's in any any of the live stuff um right. if 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 he's even there um, and then running back Sam Adams, at least running back for now, Sam Adams is also limited in the spring. I did think that it was interesting that they maybe didn't expand on, on like his role with the team. Cause it's been pretty, I mean, I wouldn't say it's been reported, but like there's been some smoke and some rumors around his position change possibly. Um, yeah. He was obviously a defensive back, a really good defensive back in high school. And that might be an area that we might need a little bit more help with. Though, obviously, we have a lot of injuries in the running back room right now, uh, ironically. But yeah. um, depth-wise, I think in, in, the, in the secondary might be a little bit more of where he could fit long-term. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, Sam, this, this room's pretty thin right now. So, I mean, who, who's healthy in this room, I guess, is, is the first question.
1: Well, on scholarship, we have three healthy running backs. <laughs> Yay! We have the freshman Javion Sunday, who's obviously my favorite of the bunch. That's no yep. secret to anybody here. <laughs> and then uh, another freshman, Caleb Berry, both from Texas. And then we've got a transfer portal addition from New Mexico State. I think. Yep. Aaron Dumas. Dumas. Mm-hmm. Dumbass. I don't know.
0: Dumbass, <laughs> yeah. dumbass. Uh, so those are gonna so be you ever seen be... that 70s show no oh
1: i mean i've heard of it Never but i mind. didn't really
0: watch it red foreman he's just always like dumb ass
1: yeah it's like so that's same. what we're going to be saying but i, I mean <laughs> i think he's probably got the front runner for the job at this point i mean yeah he so the story the backstory with him is I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast or not before. Maybe we have, but we did a, briefly, but yeah, yeah he was a it. true freshman last year at New Mexico state and they played Fresno state and DeBoer and his whole staff last year. And he had a big day on the ground against Fresno state. So I think he caught the coach's eyes. And when they came up here to UW and we like, Hey, we need to fill out this running back room. Like let's go get that guy. And, you know, mm-hmm. It's technically not supposed to work that way, but maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Maybe Aaron reached out to us first. Who knows? But anyways, (laughs) glad he's here because it gives us three healthy running backs for spring, which is like going to – I mean, those three guys are going to get some work in, let me tell (laughs) you. That rotation is not going to be deep. So I I don't anticipate – I mean, even just like, again, we – we kind of alluded to it at the top with the change in offensive scheme and concept. I think it'll be more of a pass heavy offense as it is. And in the spring on top of that, like you're not really ever going to get a good look at running backs. It's lighter work for running backs. So, you know, I would say if I had to put a depth chart order, I think Aaron Dumas is definitely probably going to get the first looks by the end of spring, I think he's going to separate himself. And I think JV on Sunday, it's going to be one of those two. I don't think Caleb Barry is ready yet physically. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, just like hopefully get, through, get those three guys through camp healthy. Really, at this point, is all you're looking for.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um... I, I do think that grub had like a couple of interesting quotes revolving around the running back room just in general. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he kind of took a couple knocks at the previous coaching staff when it revolved around the running backs, yeah, um, specifically kind of their play calling with them and their utilization of them. Um, so he, he, I, I can't, I, can't find the exact quote here, but I remember him saying something revolving around. Yeah. We're going to utilize them more than just like an inside, inside zone scheme. Yeah. So like, basically we're not going to just run up the middle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then he also expanded upon that and said that he wants his, his running backs to be versatile and for them to be able to catch back passes out of the backfield. Like you were saying, the passing game is going to be a huge element in this offense, just in general. And not just with the receivers, the running backs and tight ends are going to catch plenty of passes in, in this offense as well. Um, so, I think Aaron Dumas totally, like, fills that role. JV on Sunday is probably someone that needs to work a little bit on something like that. Being yeah. able to catch passes out of the backfield, make some people miss in the backfield, um, and get out, out in space. Um and I'm sure that obviously pass protection is going to be a huge thing for this running back room as well, mm-hmm. um, which some of the guys, I mean, it, it's been pretty inconsistent, I feel like, with with the current s- slate of guys in that running yeah. back room. We haven't really so, had a
1: good pass-blocking running back since, I mean, Gaskin was actually pretty damn good at it. Even Pleasant was pretty stature. good, but, Pleasant but was he was decent, inconsistent too. But Pleasant was a, a liability in the other aspects. Yeah. Of being a running back, like Levon Coleman's the last one that I remember that was like very good at yeah. pass blocking, a pretty damn good runner, and could catch the ball, right? Um, so I think if you are going to be paying attention to the running back room this spring, is those one on one pass protection drills where they're going one on one with a linebacker, is where I think these guys are going to have a chance to really separate themselves in the pecking order, whoever can pick that up the quickest is that's going to be their fastest way to playing time at this point, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree at all. Anything else you have to touch on with running back? Yeah.
1: The only other thing to note too, is just around, we've got updated weight for some players going into spring and two notable weight changes for Richard Newton and cam Davis. They both lost nine pounds and 12 pounds respectively and yeah. so like my initial thought there and and it's kind of a theme down the roster we'll touch on some other ones as we keep going but it does seem like a theme with deborah staff is let's trim a little bit of weight get faster a little bit quicker on our toes and so that seems to fit that theme now now knowing that newton and davis are both out for the spring with injuries, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to tell how much of the weight loss is injury related versus intentional weight loss to lean up and and get a little bit trimmer. Um, But definitely something to note. I think you you can even just look at the running backs that we're recruiting are not the 225 pound, like bruising type running backs that Jimmy Lake and John Donovan wanted. So we're going to see a different body type there over the years and i think the guys that are on the roster now are going to try to reshape their bodies a little bit to allow themselves to mm-hmm. be like you mentioned the the, the word Gr- coach grub used was versatile and not just being you know battering ram up the middle play after play after play so that'll be something to also keep an, keep an eye on as you know conditioning in the fall happens and and what these running backs look like entering the season could be a lot different than the way they looked, you know, just a year prior.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to affect how they recruit the position to overall, um, just to kind of wrap up the running back position. Um, like, I don't think they would have recruited a lot of the guys on the team right now. Like, I think they're looking for a t- different style, different type of back, a little bit more, not necessarily jitterbug, but just like, a more balanced back rather than kind of like these big dudes that we kind of have some and more physical running backs that we have on the roster right now. Um, you could tell that like running back, I think was the position that Grubb was a little bit, the most, not like let down about, but like needs the most work probably. Um, in yeah. I mean, he pretty offense. much called them so, out
1: and said like, the offensive line looks good. Super pumped about wide receivers. Running backs need a lot of yeah. work. Like right. Pretty much verbatim.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it'll be a, it's just interesting um, position to, I, I don't think you're going to learn a lot in the spring just because the bodies aren't there. Yeah. Um, but I think just, uh, yeah, I mean, you might, I don't know. Like you said, it'll probably just be those one-on-one battles with linebackers just to see of these three kind of who's, who's taking those steps at, in, in pass yep. protection. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they, if they show anything kind of like in their utilization, in the passing game or whatever, um, kind of what they're, what they're looking for. Maybe there'll be some more like screen action. I feel like in this option to, in this offense as well. Um, again, oh, not something what's, to watch for. Hold on. Wait,
1: what's a screen? Yeah, right. I don't what? know what that
0: well, is. What, what's a successful screen? Not just what's a screen. What's a successful screen? Oh my Cause goodness. a screen can just be a five yard loss. If you I don't you even know, think that like we, we called have the a past. screen
1: until like five or six games into the season.
0: Yeah, you're. Oh, pro- well, we we we, we didn't call running plenty of screen. Yeah, we p- called plenty of wide receiver screens, but that was mostly just throw it out to Romo Dunze and hope that he can make a couple guys miss. <laughs> yeah, <see what laughs> which happens. he did a pretty good job, honestly. But yeah.
1: speaking of Romo Dunze,
0: <laughs> hey, there we go. See, I was I was handing it to you. This is definitely the position group that he was the, that Grubb was the most hyped about, though. Oh, like, yeah. and he was not holding that back at all. Like you were saying, no. Sam, he was very, um, very open about basically every all of his thoughts, kind of on the offense going into spring. Um, and he's excited about the talent level in the wide receiver room. I think that that was their that was probably their either first or second priority when they when they got this job was keeping that wide receiver room intact and oh, obviously yeah. like check Mark as of now. Right. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen after spring. I don't think anything would probably happen in that room at this point, um, but it's always possible. He mentioned basically everyone in that room though, by name
1: yeah. in his
0: press conference. Um, but did, did note the three standouts that I think that are probably going to be your starters, that being Jalen McMillan Jalen McMillan, Roman Dunze and Jalen Polk. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone uh, that those are kind of the three leaders. Um, he did also me- mention Taj Davis and Giles Jackson by name. I don't think he mentioned junior Alexander here by name. He didn't. Um, but I mean, he, he gave praise to all five of those guys, but you can tell that he's really excited about those, that those core three and yeah. how they're going to fit into this offense and their playmaking ability. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be the last time that he praises those guys too. So,
1: no, I think as a Husky fan, you have to be excited about, you know, we were all on pins and needles, whether or not they were going to transfer out immediately after Jimmy Lake was fired or not to get all three of those guys in particular, particular back being McMillan, Odunze, and Polk is just huge. And I think this goes back to like my opening statement of, of the podcast tonight is like, that was one of the things that was most frustrating about last year, was like, you could see it in flashes and you just know like how talented this wide receiver group is with McMillan, a Polk, even a Giles Jackson is kind of like that slot gadget-type guy. And it's like, game after game, day after day, like nothing was coming to fruition for them in the in on saturdays and i was just like so frustrating to see that over and over again like you have these playmakers these game breakers on offense that just weren't being utilized and so i think you know even just watching some of fresno state's games last year or even going back to you know the board at indiana with michael Penix jr like those wide receivers are it's it is a wide receiver friendly offense and i think they're excited to still be here and see how things go and see how spring ball goes and and given how injured the running back room is these guys are going to be catching ball their hands are going to hurt by the end of spring they're going to be catching (laughs) a lot of balls so i think it's super exciting um i love again the fact that they're open about it and just saying yeah we're we're pretty damn well pleased with the wide receivers that we have. Yeah. And I expect a big year from all three of those guys, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, the one thing that I've noticed too, just like watching some of the um, highlights from Fresno state last year and just watching this offense at work, they spread that bottle ball around. They get it to different guys, different playmakers. They definitely obviously had probably fewer game breaking playmakers on that fresno state team like they were good but um one of them in, in particular was very good that we kind of wanted to come here but um yeah. i'm very i'm very happy with their wide receiver room let's just say that yeah. um and so and so is the coaching staff and any of these guys can be game breakers on any given day i think like they ha- have all that talent um or they all have that talent i should say and what's so exciting about that is that they can't like the defense can't really just cover one guy, right? Like they can't key in on one dude because I think there's enough playmakers in that wide receiver room that this this coaching staff, this offense is always going to have have one guy to throw to at least. Um so it, it's obviously the quarterback position is a huge part of that that it <laughs> they have to get the ball there. Um but I have faith that that this offense is going to run well um and I think wide receiver is going to be a huge position that is leaned upon for it to kind of maximize its potential. Um, Other thing I just wanted to note is obviously Justin isn't on the podcast right now, but like, this is, this is probably the point that he would get the most excited about is just revolving around that wide receiver room. Um, So. And let's just say we'll
1: we'll have it be known that Justin is way more excited for Husky football than Seahawks football. For the first time, maybe, in forever. I
0: don't know if it was way more, but like he he is more, and he's never it, like that's never been the case for him. He's yeah. uh, he's always been a Seahawks fan first.
1: I'll let you listeners decipher how much of that has to do with how great things are going to be on Montlake versus how shitty they're going to be <laughs> <laughs> for the Seahawks. So you right. can decipher, yeah. you know, how that scale is balancing out in Justin's mind. Um, the one other thing, definitely worth noting, with the wide receivers here are some notable number changes. So, Romo mm-hmm. Dunze has been number 16 since he stepped on campus. He is going to don the jersey that used to be worn by John Ross, number one. And then Jalen Polk is changing from number 12 to number two. So, he's getting that was that's the like commemorative number i forget what is was it chuck carroll i forget who it was but that it was retired right. for a long time and they've kind of like yeah made it like an honorable number to be able to wear i think it got unretired for case and williams and then i you know kyler wore it i can't remember if we had a two in between there but anyway so kind of a a storied number i i'm pretty sure it's chuck carroll i don't I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right based on what I'm
0: reading right now. Yep, you're right.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: His jersey number two is one of the only three numbers retired by the UW football program. Former UW receiver Cason Williams, like you said, was allowed to wear number two in honor of his father. Aaron Fuller
1: Um, wore it. it. Kyler Gordon wore it. Yep. And now Jalen Paul. And he's the next... So that's exciting, and then also Taj Davis, who's been number seventeen since he stepped foot on campus, is going to my favorite number, number three. So he's due for a big breakout season. He's going to kill <laughs> it, guaranteed.
0: Taj is a little inconsistent, but I like whenever he is open and on. Like he's, I mean, on his day, he's a really good player. Yeah, really I think he's player. just
1: like a really his his potential is just to be that big body, physical you know, move the chains on third down over the middle type of wide receiver. Like, I don't think he's going to, sure, you know, be, you know, at least in this group, he's not going to be the number one threat to take the top off the defense, but I think yeah. he can carve out a really good niche role for him himself. And I think, you know, he sat out the COVID year. He wasn't part of the team in 2020 and came back last year and, you know, we had injuries to start the season and he had a step up. And I think that he played pretty damn well, to be honest, given yeah all of the struggles we had. So definitely can't write him out of this competition just yet. And I think he'll, like you said, this offense is going to spread the ball a lot and he's going to get his touches as well. But I do think he's
0: for sure that fourth guy in there right now, yeah. like and I think there's a he mentioned Giles Jackson but there's a considerable gap i think between Tosh Davis and Giles Jackson.
1: Yeah, and i think Giles Jackson speaking of him we haven't totally touched on that yet. It's like that was another thing i was disappointed in the previous regime was Sure. You know, we just he's total that gadget type slot jet sweep could potentially yep. even line up in the backfield type wide receiver hybrid running back mold and we just didn't utilize that at all and like how much of that is him not showing what he needed to show versus the previous offensive staff being a complete disaster I think we all know where Connor and I <laughs> land on that one and yeah you know Grub and DeBoer's offense have utilized players in the same mold of Giles Jackson before and so I think it you know again kind of like Taj You know, I think you have your main three guys that are going to be your stable, everyday wide receivers in McMillan, Odunze, and Polk. And I think Davis and Jackson complement those three in their own very unique ways. And I think you're going to have a really solid rotation of five receivers next year.
0: Yeah, someone we haven't mentioned in that wide receiver um, kind of, I guess, rotation is Jabez Tini though. Like someone we were kind of excited about last year as a true freshman coming into his sophomore year. You talk about weight changes. He's down 20 pounds this off season. Um, and I don't really see that as a great thing. Um, that's just, that's just me. And judging that, like you were saying with the running backs that he's been, he's, he's, it looks like he's banged up a bit because he's going to be limited during, limited during spring ball as well um so that could be contributing to that but that's i mean that's a major weight loss too so i don't yeah. know if it would some be one of that thing weight if you that he was carrying like, was bad weight or what but yeah
1: i mean it would be one thing if you're going like 220 to 200 but 205 to 185 that's like you know at six foot one which I think he's listed at like you kind of want to be around yeah. 200 pounds 185 is on the slider side so again like it's it's just hard to tell from this point how much of that's injury related versus maybe he was carrying bad weight and they shed that off and we'll build him back up for the years to come and right. maybe he makes his way back up to 195 200 at his playing weight but definitely something to keep an eye on and, and it is a bummer that he'll be limited limited in spring because reuniting him and junior Alexander, who transferred up here from Arizona state, who I think will factor into this rotation, this spring for sure. Yeah. Reuniting those two receivers with Sam Hewitt, I think will just be like a great storyline to watch this spring. The three of them were prolifically successful at Kennedy Catholic um, down in Burien. So it will be fun to get the gang back together this spring.
0: Yeah, for sure. Realistically, though, all those guys are probably a year away. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, even T9 being injured right now and down a little bit of weight probably doesn't really impact his college career that much. No. Um, like, I mean, he might get into the, some of the rotation in some of those games that were hopefully up by, <laughs> you know, a few touchdowns. Yeah. Um. But, um, but I don't think he's going to be getting major run this year, assuming that Um, the wide receiver room stays relatively healthy. All right. We should move on to tight end. Um, This one should go rather quick. I feel like Um, two guys that are probably most notable here. um, And they seem to use mostly just one tight end and yeah, they don't really rotate them that much. Um, But I think both of these guys will probably play a bit. Um, Devin Culp is probably kind of the, the next like, you know, quote unquote, great Husky tight end, as far as like the potential Mm -hmm. is there for him to be that. Um, I think he fits really well in this offense. He's very athletic. He's shown flashes um, in his time filling in for K. and last year that he can be that guy that, that tight end one and be explosive. Um, Probably like the most explosive tight end that we could have since Hunter Bryant, I would say. Um, But they're, they're running
1: back in high school. He's super they're, athletic.
0: They're they're a little bit. I mean, he's he's Devin Cole's bigger though. than oh, Hunter yeah, Bryant was um, way bigger and yeah. probably projects projects better to like the NFL, like the next level. So mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see uh, what this staff can make of him. But I mean, this. I mean, if he if he has a year that we think that he could have, he, I mean, he could probably be a second or third round pick this year. Um, yeah, he could if, if he's he's got that kind of potential. I think. Do you want to talk a little bit about Jack Westover, though, the the guy? Yeah. That, I mean, kind of a little bit of a little bit of everything, but yeah. Yeah,
1: so Jack Westover's had kind of an interesting career so far. I mean, he was mostly a basketball player at Mount Sai High School. He walked on the UW football team. I think he got put on scholarship last year, maybe the year before that. I, I can't quite I think remember. It was,
0: I think it was two years ago. I think it was 2020.
1: 2020. And he's kind of been that Swiss army knife type tight end. He'll line up as a fullback. He's a little bit smaller in He's a little bit shorter, but he's, he's a strong player for sure. And I think with that basketball background, I mean, he's kind of freakishly athletic himself. Um, yeah. Maybe not in that NFL tight end mold like Devin Culp is, but I think if we're looking at split out, you know, in that wide, you know, split out tight end position going out for passes. I think Westy could be an interesting option there. And I think I, yeah. I feel really comfortable with both of them in this new offense. I think they both can do what they'll be asked to do. And, um, I think they'll both have successful seasons and one of them more likely to your point will probably separate themselves. And at this point I'd give the edge to Devin Colt. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we're, we're in a good place with tight ends, considering that we're not going to be rolling out like three tight end sets like we've seen before. So
0: Right, um, right. It'll beyond, be much different.
1: Beyond those two, it's all really young, unknown players that haven't really seen the field yet. Um, I'd be surprised if any of them crack the two deeps and pass up Devin Culp or Jack Westover. Um, yeah. And neither of them have, you know, had significant weight changes. They're they've held consistent, and they'll be wearing their same same number eighty three for Devin Culp and number thirty seven for Jack Westover. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think we we're in good shape there at tight end. I'd say.
0: Yeah, just to build a little bit off of Jack Westover, I mean, I think you're going to see him utilized out of the backfield in the passing game quite a bit. Like that's kind of I feel like where he was a little bit most utilized in that twenty twenty mm. season. Um so that's kind of what I would look for in Jack Westover's role. like he could split out like you were saying, but I think like that might be in motion from the backfield or something yeah. like that like, um and judging by the fact that we don't have like a ton of really pass catching backs too, I think that kind of lends itself to his, yeah. um his gain as well that he he could he could fill that role a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. but that's, That's kind of my guess where Jack Westover gets some playing time this year.
1: Yep. I agree.
0: All right. This offensive line massively underperformed last year, massively underperformed, like Like probably the, probably the most, (laughs) most disappointing,
1: most disappointing, most disappointing last season. I was going to, I was going to take it a step further and say it was probably the most disappointed I've been in a position group. Maybe Ever in my fandom of Husky football, wow. just like the expectations that I had of the group and their performance was mm-hmm. so off, off base. I just like could not, could not believe it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But like I, I can't, I can't I'm argue. At, I'm at a loss
1: all. of words. I was like bringing back <laughs> memories of last season was brutal, but I mean the talent's there and Ryan Grubb started off his press conference by throwing them kudos. And he, you know, again, the theme of how open he's been, he acknowledged like, you know, I think the question he was asked was which position group has surprised you with their talent. And he said, offensive line, you know, given the performance last year, I was surprised to come in and see the the size and the way that these guys move is really impressive. The talent is there. And he, it struck me that he was, supremely confident that this group is going to be able to get, get it done next year based on what they'll ask them to do with some better coaching, more straightforward blocking schemes and whatnot. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. I mean, pretty much everyone, potentially everyone's back except for one, maybe two. We'll talk about, I guess we'll just talk about now Jackson. So Luke Wattenberg graduated. he, Probably will get drafted, maybe in the late rounds. If not, very late, yeah. If not, he'll be an undrafted free agent signing for sure.
0: He'll be a camp. He'll be a camp guy for sure.
1: And then Jackson Kirkland, who was preseason first round potential, entered the draft. We knew that he had an ankle injury he was dealing with all season. Turns out that was worse than anticipated, and he had to have surgery to get that repaired. And so he had kind of like declared for the draft. I don't think he signed an agent. And then once he realized he needed surgery on that ankle, now he's re-enrolled at UW as a student and he's petitioning for another year of eligibility to rejoin the football team. My general feeling just with the way all of these petitions and appeals have gone for eligibility, I would be surprised if he gets denied. I think he'll be back. So he's going to factor in but i mean we can run through all these names here but i guess right off the top one of the things we didn't mention when we were talking about quarterbacks is you know you think about that left tackle as protecting the quarterback's blind side well the sure. odds are your starting quarterback's going to be a lefty whether that's you know two out of 3 of your quarterbacks are left-handed and <laughs> michael penix junior who we think will be the starter is lefty sam heward who has The upside potential is lefty. So, like, do you move your best tackle from – like, do we flip this offensive line and move your best tackle to right tackle? Probably, right? So, like, how do you want to go – like, right now I think we have it listed as, like, left tackle is your best tackle. I think let's just keep it that way because that's how we have it written For
0: simplicity's sake, yeah.
1: Or we could just tackle it as, like, offensive tackles, guards, and centers.
0: That's kind of how they put it in um in their pressers today and maybe that was yeah. just to like not give any clues at which way they're going but for them to be that open about it it probably leans that it's going to be a lefty uh, at yeah. quarterback. Um but yeah, I mean the thing that I was going to say though is like where does Jackson Kirkland play if he does come back? And obviously he was a left tackle for us last year. But previously, he was a guard. I really liked what I saw from Troy Faut- Fautanu mm-hmm. um, whenever Jackson was was hurt last year, um, especially in pass protection. Um, would Jackson Kirkland be better served to maybe slide back inside to guard, or do you think that he still projects as a tackle at the next level?
1: I think he still projects as a tackle. I think... The way that I think about that, because I am totally on the same wavelength as you, I think, let's assume Jackson Kirkland comes back. Mm -hmm. I think your best offensive lineman, Jackson Kirkland's probably your best if he's healthy. Mm -hmm. And then I think the second best is either Troy Fautanu or Henry Bainavalu. Henry Bainavalu had a bad year last year, but he was also dealing with some injuries. He thought about medically retiring. He walked on senior night last year because of that. He came back. So how I would see it going is Kirkland, I think is going to be your blind side tackle. So let's just say right tackle. Mm -hmm. I think Troy Fautanu probably will be your left tackle. And then you maybe move. Victor Kern back inside. I, I think, like, yeah, I'll just run down, like, the, the offensive line that I want is my tackles would be Troy Fautanu, Jackson Kirkland. My guards would be Henry Bainavalu, and then probably Vic Kern, move him inside, because he's shorter in stature anyway. He, he has more of a guard big. body. Yeah. And he's big. Mm. So I'd have those guys as my guards. And then center, uh, I probably would go Matteo Mele, to be honest. He's taken snaps yeah. at center before. I think he. I don't like, like
0: Corey Luciano.
1: <laughs> I don't like Corey Luciano. I think Jaron Hatchett is probably still a year away. I like him a lot, but yep. he's still young. Yep. I think your best five linemen, regardless of position, are Jackson Kirkland, Troy Fatanu. Henry Bainavalu, Matteo Mele, and Victor Kern. Like how you line them up, I don't care. But I think those are your five best offensive linemen based on what we've seen.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree. I'd probably agree. Um, I I realize that you haven't put Julius Bielo on here. <laughs> I don't In the think two Ds yeah he didn't look good last year <laughs> no
1: and i don't know why the hell he was playing guard he's six eight
0: yeah that's a tall dude um yeah i don't know it's like that's what yeah
1: that I... is that like get your five best yeah. offensive linemen there's position versatility like you mentioned kirkland has played inside out kern has played in has played inside out Fautanu has played inside out so like Mateo Mele has played inside out. You have versatility. Get your best five linemen in there, however, it works. And then I think we have like a lot of promising young talent that are still a year or two away. I mentioned Jaron Hatchett, Miles Morales, another name. Roger yep. Rosengarten is a really flexible, yep. strong tackle prospect. Guard memolars is another name. And then Nate Kalepo, the local kid from Rainier Beach, like he's been here for two years now. So is he going to be able to bust into the starting lineup?
0: Owen Prentice.
1: Owen Prentice is another one. So like, in my opinion, the offensive line is some stuffed cupboards. Like there are pieces mm-hmm. there and I just want the coaching staff this year to like figure out how to put it together. Cause that did not happen last year.
0: No, everything but that happened last year, I think. So, yeah. That's, that's where it all started, too. I mean, that was that was really a demise of the team. <laughs> it's like yeah. the, the, the play on both sides of the line was just awful. So should we switch to the defensive side of the ball?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: I don't think there was – yeah, there were no other side notes on the offensive line group, I don't think. so. No. Yeah. So obviously this is a little bit of a different defensive shape scheme than what we've seen – over the past, what, I guess, seven, eight years? Yeah. It's been. So um, it'll be a, a little bit of a different defense. Like, it, it's it's going to look a little bit different. Uh, the way that um, morell described it was that um, the old scheme was a little bit more of an odd man front, meaning three down linemen. This is more of an even man front. So you're going to see two and four down linemen basically a lot. Mm-hmm. in this, in, in this scheme. And it just kind of depends if those two outside backers edge guys have their hands on the ground or if they're upright, um, but it's going to be a little bit more even um, any other notes that you have kind of on this defense, I guess the Husky position, but you can touch on that if you wanted to, I don't know. We've talked about it before, but
1: yeah. I mean, basically they're the Husky position is kind of this defensive schemes nickel position It's going to play in a very similar area physically of the field, but it's going to be a very different body type. So Mm. we've seen smaller guys in the nickel position, like a bookie Bradley Hiles, uh, Miles Bryant, Elijah Molden was a little bit bigger, but still kind of in that smaller cover focused nickel position, the Husky position again, while lining up will look like it's a nickel, but it's going to be more of a, defensive back linebacker hybrid. So we'll, we'll get to some of the names, but like Dom Hampton is the body type that screams Husky to you, like 6'2, right. to That's the body type you want there.
0: Right. Let's start on the defensive line though. And edge is one of the kind of new position groups as well. That would kind of be your outside linebacker or primary pass, pass rush, pass out, rush. Out, outside sure, yeah. linebacker. Um, But um, ZTF is obviously the standout name here. And um, assuming he's healthy, which all reports indicate that he is, knock on everything around you. Um, Down some weight, though.
1: Down some weight, which is
0: interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's down basically 40 pounds from two years ago. That 2020 version that we saw of ZTF was 280 or listed at 280 at least and now he's down to 241. So he's really, really light. I know you have a little bit of thoughts about this, um, Sam. Mm -hmm. So I'll let you share those before we move on.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's a huge weight difference. I mean, we all have, I mean, his four games in 2020 was just he was unstoppable. I think he had mm-hmm. seven sacks in four games, something crazy like that.
0: He really had seven and three, but yeah. Or yeah, seven I don't and... think he had a sack in the last one.
1: You're right. So, I mean, that's just an incredible pace, and I don't think we can expect him to keep that rate sure. up. But knowing that like you had this success at the weight of 280, and he had a lot of success, if you look at his sacks and the, the highlights from that season – a lot of that was his bull rushing like he wasn't a super finesse pass rusher then and that he had success with the bull rush and that takes some you got to have some extra change Wait. in your trunk if you know what I'm saying and sure. and he did and so i'm a little bit concerned that he's all the way down to 241 i know that he cut down to like 260 last year coming off of his achilles injury i feel comfortable with him at 260 feels like Okay, yeah, yeah, you could trim some of the weight. That seems s- right. It seems like that's the right weight. So 241 feels really light to me. Like yeah. for that ed, and especially with where we're going with the even front, if he's gonna have a hand in the ground. So that makes me a little bit nervous. But if it's like all of a sudden he's at 241 and he's like Darrell Taylor for the Seahawks out there with finesse sure. moves, bull like I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. And that could be the case. I think he does have that level of flexibility and, and athleticism. Bend. Mm-hmm. But I personally would like to see him maybe pick the weight up into like the 250, 260 range, I think would be ideal. So again, who knows? Like, still re, I mean, he played last year, but not 100%. Um, but yeah, 40 pounds is a lot. And like that. <laughs> I mean, it makes me a little yes. bit nervous for that position.
0: Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm wondering if part of this, I mean, you notated obviously his, his, or noted his, his injuries. I wonder if the new staff thought that, um, his like his body might hold up under a lighter weight a little yeah. bit better, um, just over the course of a season. um, I mean they he's obviously had communications with with the the staff on kind of where he wants to be and where he fits into the I mean he's he was probably their first phone call right oh, like as far true. as trying to get him to come back right so I mean he's he's going to be heavily used and they they were they're building this defense with him in mind for sure so I can't imagine that this isn't intentional in some way or another um but it is—it's it, eye-opening. That's for yeah. sure. It's and it's—it's—it's it's, it's intriguing. Like it's—it's. It's, we'll see what it means coming into spring ball and how that. I mean, we don't really see the pass rushers go like full go. At least not live. Um, mm. But um, we'll see. It, it, we, will, we will see. Like if he—if he really is like starting to kind of display a little bit more of some finesse type type pass rush moves we will see that on display in spring um for sure. because they do t- plenty of one-on-one stuff that 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 would stand out but um if he's out of that to his repertoire i'm all for it cuz i think i think he already had elite explosion like even at that 280 weight
1: yeah
0: um but it might have been too much explosion for that weight too like i think is kind of yeah. what what this staff may have realized so we'll see We'll see. I it's it, it's eye opening and it's it's intriguing, I think, going into spring though to see where that storyline goes. If he actually stays that lighter if he maybe puts on about 10 pounds.
1: Yeah. That'll um, be interesting.
0: Yeah. Guy backing it up backing him up is kind of the guy that we thought was gonna fill in for him last year with Brent Braylon Trice. Um, I hope I hope he gets some opportunities this year. And he we saw it a little bit towards the end of last year. I yeah. thought we saw some flashes. Um, but it is a new defense. Uh, it's not his role. I feel like wouldn't really change that much in this defense than than from the previous one, just go get the pass rusher and don't lose contain or don't go get the quarterback, but don't lose contain. Um, but it was, it was very inconsistent for him last year. So hopefully he, he builds a little bit more consistency. Um, anything else that you want to say about Braylon tries before? we move on to the rest of the defensive line
1: keep the double birds in your pocket don't get in the coach's
0: doghouse <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that might be that that might be your first 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 job coaching moment is, uh, first
1: coaching moment yeah. don't don't do that
0: yeah don't <laughs> now you know what not to do um defensive line like the two tackles this one's interesting. I I I think the guys that you have listed here are, are probably your probably your two deeps, but I mean there's another guy in mind that was a position change here that I think needs to factor into this conversation mm-hmm. as well. Um obviously kind of your 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 mainstays I think at that defensive tackle position are gonna be Thule with Thule Noah um and then Fao Tou as well. Um, Tua Taylor had a really good year, I thought last year. Yeah, um, he really came and probably sh- showed the most promise, I think, from that position group last year, um, probably mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. So I was excited about his play because he had a really disappointing year, I thought, back in 2020 as well. So mm-hmm. it was good to see that kind of come into fruition. Obviously, the big um, departure is Sam Taki Taimani, who's dead to us now. So
1: who's that? Um, I don't know who that is
0: exactly don't, exactly he who
1: shall not be named I, status
0: i don't think we're gonna miss him that much honestly no i think this room's he gonna be fine. he wasn't
1: that good he wasn't that good
0: yeah this room's gonna be fine um do you want to talk some like about some of the depth though or i mean if you want to touch on tulian to Italia, you can but it, some of the depth in this because i think that's where it gets a little bit more intriguing and some of these guys could really blow up like this could be the year that they they finally kind of blow up
1: yeah i mean i think you covered Thule and Fatui really well I think behind them right now you have to be thinking the other young guys that have shown little bit of glimpses last year Jacob Bandas was a huge recruit when we got him and similar to Tuatele kind of had a slow 2020 season and Bandas didn't pop last year like Tuatele did so I think yep. Bandas is kind of you know, step behind right there, but he's probably your third guy just in terms of, like, experience yep. right now. But Kuo Pehopa was a true freshman last year. That dude is a monster. I mean, he's last, big. I mean, he's big, and he's so... Just, like, the natural strength that guy has is ridiculous. Like, you don't see mm-hmm. an 18-, 19-year-old kid come into the strength and conditioning program straight out of high school and show up in, like, the top five performers in the major lifts like bench press deadlift and squatting. I mean, he, he can push some iron and I think he showed glimpses last season. He got, he didn't get a ton of run, but when he was in there, he was disruptive. So I think that's a really interesting name to keep an eye on. And then I'm going to keep it rolling to defensive end and then we'll come back to the person that you want to mention the new face to the group. At defensive end, so like I think instead of having two pass rushers on the ends of the line, I think you're gonna have the edge position, which we talked about with ZTF, Braylon Trice, Savelle Smalls will you know figure into that battle at some point as well as your pass rush specialists. And then I think on the other side, you're gonna see more of a defensive tackle type body on the end. And so I think Jeremiah Martin fits that really well. Uh, last year, he was his first year here transfer from Texas A&M big, big body to hold the edge, but then same class as Kua Pejopa was Voy Tanufi. This is the guy that I'm the highest on, to be honest. In this oh group. yeah. His... I'm
0: surprised you have these guys listed in the order that you do. Honestly.
1: I had him listed in the opposite order originally. I think Voy mm-hmm. will be the starter there come the season. I was just thinking more like spring depth chart. Jeremiah sure, Martin that's seniority might just get more snaps there, but I think Voy is the better player. And I think Voy Tanufi yep. could be. I mean, I know we have high expectations for ZTF, but I, I'm so high on Voy Tanufi. I think he could be the name that people really remember in the fall. And our new defensive line coach Enoke Brechterfield, Brechterfield coached Aaron Donald. And like, I know Aaron Donald's one of the best football players of all time, like regardless of position. So don't get me wrong. I'm just saying body type and explosiveness is very similar to Voigt Tanufi, like shorter, shorter limbs, six foot, six foot one, 270, 280, but the explosion that this kid has is ridiculous. Yeah. I think he has the position versatility. So get used to knowing that name. Um, I think he can slide into defensive line as well. But he played just,
0: inside last year, so
1: I think he played inside last year. I think they'll bump him out to that defensive end position this year. I agree. But just yep. in terms of your question, like filling out the depth of the room, my eyes are on Void Tanufi mm-hmm. and Kua I think in year two, I think. One of them, if not both of them, are going to take major steps forward, and I'm really excited to see what they can do this spring. And then, I know you you teased it earlier, but there is a a new face and a very very big face being added to this <laughs> defensive line group. So why don't you uh, talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you talked about guard play last, or uh, when we were talking about the offensive line and. <laughs> One of the guys that was starting for us um, all of 2020, I think, and then some of last year as well in 2021 was MJ Ale, Lumu Ale. massive human being. I'm pretty sure we've said this on the podcast before. Massive human being, just yeah, like did an Chuck absolute Merle, force.
1: Chuck Murrell called him massive humanity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah. So... He has a position change he's he's now on the t- defensive line he's a defensive tackle in this scheme now. you don't take a starter or borderline starter from your offensive line move him to v to defensive line without him being in the rotation on yeah. the defensive line yeah like m j Ollie's gonna play and mm-hmm. he's three hundred all of three hundred and forty four pounds and that's trimmed down from three fifty five
1: yeah and he's six five
0: so And yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) And he's pretty tall. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's got he's got the Vita Vea body that Mm -hmm. we have coveted and been looking for at that defensive tackle position. So I'm very excited about how he could factor into the rotation and plug up some holes. This defense has really, really struggled with stopping the run over the last few years. Even back to like Peterson's last year. Mm -hmm. He struggled to stop the run, especially late in games um i like the depth ahead of him but if he's a guy that you can bring in you know rotationally you know every 3 or 4 drives just on some early downs to stop the run like please or like third down oh, yeah. short third down situations short for, fourth down situations like he is going to factor in yeah you put um, that
1: guy in the a gap and he's going to hold it down <laughs> i mean he's going to get straight <laughs> and you
0: tell of- him to go forward <laughs> yeah and get wide
1: uh, it's like that guy is going to be posted like a stamp in the middle of the <laughs> defensive line
0: <laughs> nobody's moving, he ain't moving. no no yeah yeah uh so that's going to be fun to watch and i that that's one of the more intriguing storylines i feel like in, in spring ball is seeing how sure. he kind of fits in and how he adapts to that position um i'm sure he played it and i haven't done a lot of research but i'm sure he played it in high school so he has background with it and i'm sure it'll it'll be like second nature to him i mean it's it's really not that much different than offensive line it's probably easier to switch from offensive to defensive line than it is the opposite so
1: yeah and you even um, just look at like what made him a good offensive lineman was road grading run blocking where he was not good was in the finesse pass blocking and so it's like okay Forget well, we'll just take better. that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to worry about that anymore.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Um. Any other things that we... I mean, I, I just want to touch on... You mentioned him super, like, briefly, but Savell Smalls has got to factor in at some point, right?
1: You'd hope so. You would think? Yeah.
0: He's up 15 pounds, which I think is interesting just with, like... I mean, that's complete opposite of what zt like ztf and him basically switched positions there yeah as far as weight um i don't know if they like see him possibly fitting in a little bit to that bigger defensive end position they might um but i mean i think i mean the reason why he was five stars was his pass rush ability i thought too so i don't know we'll see it
1: it'll be interesting because like to your point that's what we got him for was pass rushing and at his lighter weight in that pass rush specialist edge role. I mean, he had, he's had plenty of chances in two years and it just hasn't clicked for him. And so maybe moving him, he's gotten
0: washed out on a lot of plays too. Like you'll notice that, like he's gotten out physical on some plays. So maybe they just think if he's a little bit heavier, that won't happen as much. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, but I mean, with the hype that he's come in with and, we all knew that he was a raw talent and there's a lot of development that needed to happen. But going into year three, like at some point the dam has got to break and he's got to have some success and impact on this defense. And I mean, we don't have him listed in the two deeps right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if he passed up Braylon Trice in my sure. honestly. Like I think he could.
0: Um on the other end, I think it'd be Boyce, newfie and then Savelle backing him up. Yeah, like and then you could push Jeremiah Martin, Martin hasn't inside. shown us a lot. Like right? well, you
1: could also push him inside. Yeah, he's like sure. 290.
0: Yeah. So yeah, he's big.
1: Similar to what we mentioned on the offensive line, I think you have a lot of position versatility. And as we're like, sure. figuring out this new four-down lineman front, I think that'll be the fun thing about the spring is you're going to be able to like watch players play in different positions and kind of feel out where everyone's home is along the defensive line
0: for sure I guess we'd be remiss not to mention that CLC Finale is down has the the biggest change in weight on the team down 50 pounds that's that's a lot he's he is now the same weight as Savelle Smalls
1: that's crazy he last year he was
0: 315 (laughs) yeah that's that's kind of wild so I don't know what's up with that either (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know where he ends up because that's that's uh, 266 is pretty light to be inside
1: i think he's kind of positionless and he like we brought him in he was like i mean no i don't think he had any scholarship offers from pretty much anywhere out of renton yeah and i mean he has the way that he moved at 315 pounds was definitely enticing and so like if he's now 50 pounds lighter like maybe he is an edge guy he might i mean we sure. just don't know maybe. anything about him so i do think True. it's definitely worth the call out to keep an eye on him in the spring and see what he looks like i mean he could be freaky right. explosive and where he
0: plays yeah yeah where they have him lined up so yeah for sure uh let's move on to linebacker and i think probably yeah. got to start off with with the uh yeah Sad the news. downer news um which there's been some smoke around about this for a while. I feel like, um, yeah. it, it's, I don't think this came as a shock to me or Sam to hear this officially. Um, but yeah, uh, linebacker Eddie Ulufosio is going to be out for all of spring, and not only that, but he is going to miss games, possibly the season. We don't know. Yeah. Um, DeBoer wouldn't go as far as as ruling him out all year but it didn't sound it it sounded almost like a ZTF situation kind of from last yeah. year. Yeah. Um but he didn't even make it to spring in order for that to happen. So it was a looks like it was a winter conditioning um injury. We don't know anything else about it other than that, but I would assume it's probably a lower body thing going on. Um so Yeah, it's good, a tricky one. I'm uh, not obviously. sure
1: because like he had surgery going like he, on his arm yeah he had surgery on his i think he had a broken upper arm he had a broken arm yeah and i know he had surgery for that and then it happened right away in winter conditioning so i don't know if you like re-broke maybe.
0: it yeah
1: so I, I who knows what it I is i just feel like
0: a and any kind of arm injury like that unless maybe that maybe a shoulder is involved or something like that yeah but okay. i feel like that wouldn't take the time five line, to six yeah. months to rehab i don't know it just seems like a lower body thing to me unless they're like what's the maybe like it's an elbow like a uclo thing or something yeah. like that i don't know but that seems like more like a baseball thing than, than a Yeah, football, i mean he's not so. playing quarterback <laughs> no you don't need him to throw the ball around um yeah so i it obviously that's a huge huge blow to this defense yeah. um I
1: mean, that's your captain. probably your second
0: be- it's your second best player on, 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 on the defense coming back. And also one of the guys that, I mean, again, number one, two, three, whatever you want to call it, like any of those top three guys that you were right in the ear about coming back yeah, um, and, and playing for this new staff. And he was all bought in. It sucks. Cause he was all bought in and everything like, he was tweeting kind of when he made that decision that he was going to come back, like, okay, time to be the villain and stuff like that. Like, I think he was Uh, fired up to be kind of a part of this new staff and be, I mean, this new defensive staff, especially William inch, we didn't hear from, but he's really stressed like the aggressiveness, you know, of this defense. And that's kind of like his role. I feel like in teaching this defense is the aggressive mentality around it. Um, And Eddie seemed to really like kind of, you know, click with that. So, hopefully he is back during the season um i think it's only i mean he's just such a good talent that it's we can't hold on to him forever like i don't think like you yeah. can hope that he's going to come back again at this point in 2023 um but we'll see where it goes i mean obviously i think it just depends on how much he plays if he plays this season if he doesn't play at all he probably does have to come back but um if he plays if he plays a little bit Hopefully he plays well enough that I mean, if if he's getting drafted, he probably had a hell of a few games. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, but there is plenty of talent in this this linebacker room that um, that I'm excited about, and it's it's been an underperforming room, I think, for the most part, it, especially in one person in particular who's no longer here. Yeah. So we don't have to complain. We don't have to complain about him anymore. But there's one guy I know that you're super fi- fired up about. Um, who started playing middle of last season when Eddie went out uh, In his first start, he was the freshman of the week, Pac-12 defensive player of the week all in the same week against Stanford. Probably our, I mean, definitely our win of the year. Yeah. Um, and he played a huge role in that game. So why don't you talk a little bit about your boy, Carson Bruner?
1: Yeah. I think Carson Bruner, son of the tight end legend at UW, Mark Bruner, he's going to be, your main stay at linebacker. And I was just so excited to see a season of him and Eddie start to end next to each other. That's not going to happen. So a lot of that pressure goes on to Bruner's shoulders, and I think he can carry the load. He's just so instinctual. He's fluid. He's athletic. He just diagnoses plays way quicker than, you know, the previous linebacker that he replaced. <laughs> <laughs> and... I'm really excited that he'll get a chance here to be the guy in the middle of that defense. And, you know, we saw, I mean, I wouldn't even say flashes. I mean, as soon as he cracked that starting lineup, he was a playmaker, sacks, fumbles, interceptions, racking up 10 tackles in the first half type line, just like totally a blue collar everywhere. Tail, line, black line everywhere on the field. Yeah. So I think he's only going to continue to get better with this new staff. And I'm really excited to see what he can bring this spring from a, from a leadership perspective. I think it's, it's there for the taking on this defense. And I think he can really step up and, and, and be the leader of the defense in, in that middle linebacker role, a new face who I think we all thought had been on campus for a couple months, but actually just yeah. hopped on campus two days ago. Is Cam,
0: Basically, yeah. is Cam
1: Bright uh, He was a linebacker From Pitt And I think he was an all ACC linebacker there I believe he had over Not only that tackles. but you
0: talked Yep, You talked about um, Eddie being the captain of this defense Cam Bright was the captain of that Pittsburgh defense Yeah So you look for someone to fill right in There's your dude
1: yeah. And this is like just such an interesting addition to me. Like he was the leader of that team. He had a great year at Pitt. Pitt had a great year as a team. It just seems odd, like how he found his way to UW. I'm not complaining about it because he's a hell of a player and he has a dog mentality. And yep. he has, when you think about speed at linebacker, I mean, there's been conversations about him playing the Husky position. That's how fast he is sideline to sideline. So I think I'm really excited. I'm really comfortable and excited with the starting lineup of Carson Bruner and Cam Bright side-by-side. I think they'll play off of each other really well. Uh, Beyond that is where it gets a little bit scary to me.
0: (laughs) The depth, yeah. The depth might not quite be there. Uh, Real quick on Cam Bright, I'm wondering – I don't know this for a fact, but, like, I'm just trying to um, tie him to UW in some way. I mean, Brechterfield was at Pitt at one point. I don't know if that connection possibly happened. I mean, Brechterfield obviously doesn't coach linebackers, but, I mean, that that could have been a name that, um, that connected Cam Bright to UW. I'm not positive, though.
1: Yeah, that's true. That could be.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, behind those guys, I mean, it, the depth for sure isn't proven. Um, it's mm-hmm. raw. There's talent. Daniel, Daniel Haimuli is someone that we've brought up on this podcast. Alfonso Tupatala is someone that we've brought up on this podcast yeah. a lot. I know that you're high on Tupatala. Um, but yeah, just. I mean, there's just not a lot of scholarship guys there. And especially now that Eddie's out, it was going to be great if like, Carson Bruner was your third guy, you know, that you could bring in on certain yeah. downs and stuff like that. But now that Eddie's out for the for- foreseeable future, your you know versatility there becomes a little bit more limited, and you're mostly going to see just those two guys, I think, on the field. Yeah, um, Demario King's an interesting JUCO transfer that I think is going to factor into the the rotation as well. Um, but that's, I mean, that's really kind of it for scholarship guys um at that linebacker position so yeah. um you're gonna rely upon some of these walk-ons ben hines and shit like to, ben hines is gone. probably
1: he transferred
0: oh yeah oh that's right no who's the uh, drew fowler
1: yeah drew who's... fowler's Here's still an... here from bellevue there's
0: yeah there's one other guy i feel like that was a walk-on maybe maybe not maybe i was just thinking of that rocky
1: foo the guy that like, got, yes, somebody, the like, dude fired. that got punched in the <laughs> face. <laughs> Rocky.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, there. I mean, those guys are going to like probably play some, not a lot hopefully, but they'll probably play some just because there's not a lot of bodies at that linebacker position. Yeah. Um, but it also lends me to believe like, does that Husky position like, do some of the guys that are competing there maybe slide inside for some other stuff too like maybe they're not just true husky players especially the guy that's first on this on this list has a linebacker body so um unless you had any other linebacker stuff i feel like this is a natural segue to uh, the husky position but you mentioned him earlier. I mean, he's the prototypical of what they're looking for at that husky position, and that's Dom Hampton, someone that you were super high on, super fired up about going into last year, Sam. I remember. Yeah. Um, and then he decided to get a personal foul against Michigan and never really got back in the out of the doghouse at such a at, joke at, after, after that. Um, so, I mean. It, Hopefully that's more of just an indictment on the previous staff than it is anything. I think it is. I think you and I can both agree upon that. Um, But Dom hasn't really, I mean, he's shown flashes. He hasn't shown consistency yet, Right. but I think this is the perfect position for him to be on the field consistently and show his abilities like to, to their limits. Like as far as just like, what he excels at is what this position asks for, you know, which is physicality. He's a good cover guy. Like he can cover out of that. Um, yeah. And really in like helping in run defense as well. I think, I think all those things fit really well into, into Dom's game and it'll be close to line scrimmage. So that's great.
1: Yeah. Dom Hampton also had a number change to call out. He's changed from it number did. 21 to number seven, which is, a very meaningful number on the death row dogs defense. You've had number seven yep. be worn by guys like Keyshawn Bierra, Bieria, Taylor Rapp, Shaq Thompson. And mm-hmm. it's kind of been like, if you're going to wear number seven, you got to have that swag on defense. And Dom yep. has that in spades if he's allowed to like express himself that way. <laughs> and yeah. quite honestly, like I, I think, you know, the two players that I'm highest on that are a little bit under the radar, I've already, you know, been effusive about Void Tanufi, but Dom Hampton in my mind is gone next year. He's gone. Yeah. I think he's going to be so good in this Husky position with this height, weight, speed, and aggressiveness. I think he's going to have a hell of a year and it's going to kind of be that Kyler Gordon trajectory where it's like, you know, they came in in the same class. Kyler was kind of a year ahead of him in terms of development and opportunity wise. We're going into last year. Kyler really hadn't totally proved himself to be a legit Mm -hmm. NFL corner. And now he's a first round, second round pick. I'd be shocked Mm -hmm. if he makes it out of the second round. And I think I see the same trajectory for Dom. Like, this staff coming in at this time in his career is perfect timing i think it fits him and his skill set really well and i mean again with the staff being as open as they have been on all of all personnel related things they've been effusive about dom hampton from day 1 like that it, they couldn't recruit a better body type and physical skill set for that position what they inherited with Dom Hampton and so I'm expecting big things from him out of that position just so long and rangy and has the weight and the strength I think I'm really really excited to see what he's able to do and he's just gonna look so badass in that number seven he just is (laughs) I know daddy Sam's excited he's got an old number seven jersey just like somehow keeps you know translating year to year to like our best defensive player and like there's a chance that that could hold true this year too so i'm no, i know he's pumped
0: for sure for sure um i mean we could touch on the backup guys a little bit cam fab and asa could both factor in i will say that asa's looked pretty ripped yeah in in some of the off-season uh videos and stuff I'll believe it when I see it as far as like
1: Yeah, you've been burned on game that day one before. <laughs> M-
0: multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. Ace like... is Ace is probably the the worst pick that I've ever had as far as like
1: Yeah, it wasn't a good one. I
0: mean that's that was pretty bad, dude. I uh, I was tooting his horn so goddamn hard. Well, hopefully that's going not into twenty twenty year. Yeah. I don't think it will be. I don't be. think it will be. I don't Asa, think it will be.
1: I mean, Asa looks the part, right? I mean, he's 6'4", 210-ish. Yeah. So, like, he's just that's not physical. Kind of what you want. But, I mean, it looks like Tarzan <laughs> plays like Jane. Can't have that.
0: Correct. 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 Um, This secondary, I mean, you just talked about Kyler Gordon and obviously losing Trent McDuffie. Too. It starts at that corner position. So you're filling two huge holes. And I think that's, that's where this defense kind of all starts as far as like, what are you concerned about going into this year? I think you feel okay about the position groups that we talked about. Coming yeah. up to here, obviously a little bit thin at linebacker, but you like and, the starting lineup, I think, overall. Yeah. This is where it gets a little bit interesting, I think. And um, I think there's a lot of talent in the room, but it's young. And it's really, really raw. Um, we do have one experienced guy coming in that we think is going to be a stud and is super athletic and Jordan Perryman yeah. um, from UC Irvine, Davis, yeah. UC Davis. Uh,
1: I don't remember which one. I'll one of the two.
0: Played in the big sky though, right? I think. Yeah. And he was like a third 13 All-American UC Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, third team all-american or second team all-american or something like that and in, yep. in in fcs so obviously a good player and um grad transfer dude so he'll only be here for one year but i think he's probably your probably your number one corner going into the going into spring and probably going into the season one well, before that we move corner? off of yeah before yeah, we move off forward.
1: of him one of the other things that I mean, he's popped up in a lot of these coaches' press conferences as just being yes. – the words that they keep using to describe Jordan Perriman is from day one when he stepped foot on campus, he immediately was, pound for pound, the most – like one of the fastest and strongest athletes on the team, which yep. says a lot when you've got guys like Dom Hampton, ZTF, Eddie shit. Like that says a lot to just be able to like Mm -hmm. show up and be the alpha male in the gym. And that's, you know, from everything we've heard, Perryman is that guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the coaches really, really like him. They obviously recruited him to come here. Um, So any of the guys that you saw them get via the transfer portal, they're super duper high on because this is their first off season. Like they're looking to fill the holes that they think are on this team currently. Um, and this is a pretty obvious one. And I think Jordan Perryman for sure is going to factor into this team from day one. He'll probably mostly be that lockdown corner for you on that right side. Um, the other corner position gets a little bit interesting though. And the guy that you have, I think listed here right now on your depth chart is probably the biggest upside pick yep of everyone that we could list um but i don't know if he's the favorite right now um and that's jacoby covington uh a guy that i think we saw at spring ball last year too and he was playing a little bit of safety then too Big and looked dude. good like he he looked really good and uh very very um quick at recognizing the play too one of those guys that we could have used it on the field last year just to
1: like, yeah,
0: recognize, you know, like and get off a block and hit hit a ball carrier. Um, but, um, nonetheless, a, a very raw talent though, and, um, super athletic, super rangy, really long, um, and pretty big for a corner too. Yeah, he's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but if you're talking upside, like that's where your upside is. That, yeah, this, I mean, this dude, it, he screams NFL corner one day. Um, if he doesn't play corner, he's probably playing safety in the NFL. Like he, he could, I I think, I think he could project it either. It just, it's just where he oh, fits. Yeah. yeah I um, agree. Into the defense. Um, but he's got the, he's got the cover skills to play corner. So I think they'll, they're going to start him there. Um, Mish Powell is like probably the guy that's probably, that got the inside track to start opposite Jordan Perryman just because of his his experience alone.
1: Yeah. And where I was on this one, I kind of had, I was battling between those two for sure. I think Mish is going to start spring as the second corner. I think coming out of spring, I'm projecting that Covington is going to pass him up, but Mish Powell, I mean, one of the first things that coach DeBoer did when he got on campus was put Mish Powell on scholarship. He's a walk-on from day. Yeah. And I mean, he played a lot last year and he played well. So yeah. I'd feel good with either one of them, but I think you feel really solid in what Mish Powell can bring for sure.
0: Yeah. And he's, he doesn't have the upside. I don't think that Jacoby Covington has, but um, but he's the safer play, especially at the beginning of the year. For sure. Um, so we'll, I, I think he's probably getting first snaps this spring, but we'll see how mm-hmm. Jacoby does. And I mean, if if he impresses like we know he can, definitely could move up that depth chart very easily. I could see it. Um, Elijah Jackson. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's another guy that you have listed here. That's a dude that I'm super high on. And I think he's probably still a year away. Yeah. But Man, that guy has some fucking instincts on the ball.
1: When I watch him play, I, and the way that he moves his body, I look at it's like Richard Sherman. The way yeah, that he moves, yeah. and how long and lanky he is,
0: like he's a little shorter, but yeah, I mean, same, not same type much. of player though.
1: Not by much. He's a pretty long guy. I'm pretty sure he's like he's six like two borderline six three.
0: Okay, I thought he was closer to six I foot thought... six one, but. You might be right he doesn't look that tall when he's out there
1: that's because all of our i get the are super tall. tall. yeah he's six two
0: i guess that's true damn dude okay yeah, yeah you're not lying then um yeah i really like elijah jackson though and someone i think who kind of flew under the radar with his recruitment and we got probably because of jimmy lake so if that's <laughs> anything else think, thanks for that jimmy yeah um Um, I think he's going to turn into a hell of a player though. I I think he's probably still a year away, but he'll get, he'll get, he'll get some run this year. I think he'll play Um, safety position. Unless you had any other corners to highlight.
1: No, I think safety is also going to be a really interesting one. Again, like drawing off of these press conferences that the coaches have been having. Alex cook is a name that just keeps popping up. And I don't think that there's yep. any way that he's not going to be a starter in the safety position, whether it's free safety or strong safety, who knows, but it seems like he's taken a leadership role on this team. And like, correct every time, I mean, both Chuck Morel and DeBoer mentioned him by name in their press conferences today with the same kind of adjectives in terms of being a leader of the team. Leadership qualities. So I think he's going to for sure be one of your starters. And I think, like, hit, you know, the context there is he came in kind of like Sam Adams to a degree, where he in high school was a two way player, played wide receiver and safety, came into UW as a wide receiver for his first year or two. And then I think the last two years he's been transitioning into the safety role. And last year, I, I mean, he, he's played well. He hasn't been like a game breaker, but he's very assignment sound, solid player. Sure. But I think he's still been learning that safety position at, at the level of college football. And I, I could totally see him taking that next step this year and yeah. being a really, really good player for us.
0: I mean, he can hit too. Like that oh, dude yeah. packs a punch. So it. Don't don't undersell that that aspect. That he's just assignment yeah. sound like he'll he'll lay the lumber.
1: I mean assignment sound don't. I mean it's it's a compliment. That's a good. You want okay. that out of like they're called a safety for a reason. Like
0: <laughs> I, that's a good thing. It is a good thing at that position for sure. Yeah,
1: but he's no. I mean, you know, we would describe Asa Turner as looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Alex Cook <laughs> plays like Tarzan. <laughs> For sure.
0: Yes, he does. Yeah, yes, he does. Doesn't look like Jane though. No. No.
1: <laughs> Not quite. The
0: other safe, yeah. The other safety position, I think, is a little bit more intriguing. Uh, Asa Turner is one of the guys that could factor in at that position. Um, I don't think he'd be either of our first picks no. for for that position. You definitely have a favorite here, and I tend to agree with this one. Cam Williams is probably the guy. Um, that we would both go with as far as like, I mean, talent alone, but like, also, I feel like he just has the inside track. Like, I think the coaches like him a lot. Um, the previous coaching staff liked him, but kind of in a, I don't know, Jekyll and Hyde type way. Like they either like, like they loved him some weeks and then like, he wouldn't be seen for like three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So, um, it he had some inconsistent playing time in the, in the previous staff, but when he's been on the field and like, especially since his freshman year, like he's, he's been good. And he's shown probably the most consistent flashes of the guys, other guys on this list. I think um, that that's probably where, where my head would be at, at, at that other safety position. I do want to throw Julius Ervin's name out there just because mm-hmm. I, I, that's someone that I've been high on. That's uh, that was the guy, like that was my ace Turner of last year, but to a lesser degree, like he did okay, like he was fine, yeah. but he definitely wasn't the player that I, you know, projected him to possibly be in it last year. But he just neither was get, anyone, yeah.
1: He just didn't get the opportunities either,
0: not consistently. I mean, he did at the beginning and yeah, then it kind of fell off, and then he got he worked his way back into the rotation a bit. Um, but I'm I, I, I still think there's talent there. I think there's untapped potential there, and um, I, I think he's just got he's got to get a coach in his head that that vibes with him, and yeah, we'll see if we'll see if Chuck Morel can bring it out of him. I'm not sure. So that's kind of lay the land of I mean the the two deeps at least with a few extra sprinkled in. Sam, what's what's the one name offense or defense? Maybe one of each. That you're like the most excited or most intrigued to watch during spring not necessarily that you're most excited about in fall but like most excited to learn about in the spring which kind of i'm teasing that maybe it shouldn't be necessarily a starter or at least a familiar face yeah um one or two guys doesn't matter
1: i mean on on defense for me it's the person that I was probably the most emotional about here is just like Voight Tanufi, I think can be a huge difference maker for this team.
0: And it's a good one.
1: I want to see him like solidify his role on this team. And I don't know. I just expect big things from him this season. And it's not a household name yet, but I, I think even the spring and, I'm I'd be sh- I honestly would be shocked by the end of fall if he's not just like a total husky fans all know his name by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so I'd go with him on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, I'm taking a little bit of a cop out because it's a quarterback position. But I'm just so excited to, to see That's Michael right. Penix Jr. in like and yep. we saw the one Twitter video of him launching like a 65 yard bomb to Jalen McMillan. That was just like, Oh yes, please give me that. And some more. And it's like, I'm really excited to see what he looks like more than anything. Like I'm interested in his mobility. That was something that was a difference maker that he had when he was at mm-hmm. his, at his best in 2019 and 2020 And I know he's dealt with some injuries, you know, ACL here. And then he's had some like AC joint rotator cuff issues in the shoulder. I just want to get a feel for like how healthy he is, but more than anything, I think that's just, I think he's one of those under the radar name transfer names on the national scale that nobody's really talking about that. Like if things go well, best case scenario, which isn't outside of the realm of possibility is you're looking at a potential, you know, best quarterback in the pac 12. Like that's not outside of the realm of possibility. If he's healthy and regains his form under DeBoer again. And like, we just went through this roster and I feel like offensively, we feel pretty good outside of that quarterback position. And if you can get a guy that's a top performer at his position in the Pac-12, like that, I mean, look at what DeBoer did with Jake Hayner at Fresno State. Like, we can capture that in a more play, like playmaker, physical skill set of Michael Penix Jr. It could be electric. And so, there's part of me that also is looking at that because, you know, some of these comments around, yeah, we're gonna keep even snaps for the first four practices. Well, that's like 25% of spring ball. So like, what does the other 75% look like? Does Michael (laughs) Penix Jr. really start to separate himself? So I'll definitely be keeping my eyes on him. And, and again, like I said, on defense, I think, I think Voight Tanufi is going to be a name that people are going to remember. He's so young. I think he's going to be What a sophomore, right? Last year was, yeah,
0: he was a true freshman last year.
1: Did any, I think he played in more than four games, right?
0: Uh,
1: mm, probably, I think he probably did, but either way, like he's going to be around for the next couple of years and get to know the name, he's going to be legit.
0: What about you? I mean, yeah, well, to real quick just build off your voice to Nuffy comments there. I mean, I what we failed to mention is that he almost left <laughs> like he was almost a transfer out too. Yeah. Um, kind of right when the, the, the staff got hired. So he, he, they had to reel him back in a bit too. And uh, yeah, like you said, Sam, I'm, I'm really glad that they did and we'll probably look back on this in two years and that'll be the guy that we circled that it's like, man, that yeah. was the guy to reel back in out of yeah. everyone. Um, just because I, yeah, I think his upside's limitless really, um, especially just in this defense and, and with this coaching staff, um, yeah, obviously really excited for Penix on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I I think you did a great job of covering him. So I won't, I won't delve too much deeper into that one. Um, I am, I am interested in Aaron Dumas just a little bit, like Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know a lot about him and I, I want to see how he factors into the rotation. Obviously there's only really three healthy scholarship bodies right now um, in that room, but is he the one consistently kind of getting the first reps? Um, how is he utilized in the passing game? Cause he's obviously kind of the one that probably caters most to that as far as his skill Um, you know, what his reps look like, how he's uh, uh, just how he physically matches up against some of our linebackers and stuff like that as well. Um, he obviously played at a smaller school. So like, I, I just, I, I don't know a lot about him and yeah. I'm interested to, see, to learn, to learn more about him and to see how he, he fits into the offense. Um, defensive side of the ball. I mean, I just got to I got to go with my guy, my guy, MJ all I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm so intrigued by this position change. It's, it's my of the guys currently on the roster. It's like my off season story. Yeah. Or totally story get of the off season, I should say. Um, just because I think there's, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of promise there and it could be amazing. <laughs> it really thing. could. Um, so. I want to see where like where obviously we're not going to see him like blow up a fucking play and a quarterback or anything like that in the in in spring ball um at least ideally not <laughs> yeah hope not keep but, him away from uh, Michael
1: Penix Jr. please
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't even look at him MJ
1: uh, don't even look at
0: him <laughs> no um but like what what kind of reps is he getting? Is he mostly with the, you know, second team, third team, is he higher up on the depth chart than we have him? Um, how does he rotate? Who does he line up with? Like, these are all things that I'm kind of looking at. And obviously like, how does he look in reps that are like one on rep, one reps with some of the offensive linemen? Um, and how much is he dominating them? Because I'm sure he will. Uh, so it, I'm just I'm I'm excited about that that potential and where that could head and obviously just history lends itself that I look back on Vita Vea and just the impact that he had on that defense in 2016 like he was the difference maker you can talk about all the other guys on that defense Vita Vea was the engine to that defense like yeah you can talk about anyone else on that defense and it's not it's not a slight against anyone else but Vita Vea was the engine to that defense and. Um, if we could somehow even harness like half of that, oh, and someone yeah. like MJ Ale, it'd be a massive difference maker, and um, just our, his ability his ability to clog up holes in the middle of that defense would just be awesome because it's been lacking, for lack of a better term, <laughs> yeah. In in this defense the past few years, so that's the guy that I have circled, um. Yeah. Any other notes that that you want to go over before before we wrap for the evening? I mean, I think that was a that was a pretty in depth like like yeah, we spring depth chart though that we have. So and I mean, we'll we'll obviously have another one before the season, like kind of as we're coming out of fall camp and stuff. But I think it's good to give kind of lo- a little bit of a lay of the land and how we see it going into spring ball. Um, stuff's gonna change. Obviously, there's probably gonna be some guys that we have on this list that may not even be here. You know, particularly mm-hmm. upon I would I would say like maybe offensive line and running back possibly are the two position groups that I would look at that yeah. might have some attrition after spring ball. Um but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, may, maybe maybe enough of these guys see their potential in the program that they, they stick with it. So that's that's what we hope at least.
1: Yeah. I'd say the only other thing that we should mention, so you know, Coach Separdo down at Oregon State doesn't come in smash us on top of the head is we can't not talk about special teams okay
0: that's fair yeah that's fair
1: (laughs) so i'll run through it really quickly the in the in the punter position we lost race porter to graduation so we'll have a new punter in 2022 big
0: big loss honestly race porter was a good punter.
1: race porter came out of nowhere last year and had a great year um Tristan Brown has been on the team for, I think, two years now, and he came in with a lot of hype in terms of having a big leg. The reports that we've heard, he hasn't totally been able to harness that yet. We brought in a transfer from Idaho State, Kevin Ryan, who is kind of the opposite, so they complement each other pretty well. So I I wouldn't be surprised if you see potentially a two-punter rotation depending on the situation. Kevin Ryan has... You know, last year had a great year in terms of directional punting and hang time, not necessarily distance wise, where Tristan Brown really has a booming leg. So I think you could see the two of them. I think if we had to pick one starter, I would lean towards Kevin Ryan just for proven consistency in terms of directional punting, I think is really important. Kicker, you're going to have Peyton Henry again as your starter. I don't think that's going to change. Hopefully this coaching staff can kind of get his comfort zone a little bit beyond 40 yards. He just has not been good beyond 40. And then long snapper will be Jaden green. Again. I think we have a really good long snapper. I know he botched his first snap in college football against Oregon state. Um, But I think he's a good snapper. And then I think your returner, both for punt and kick returns is probably going to be Giles Jackson. We have a, a number of different bodies that could be used back there, but I think he's he's got a pretty firm hold on that position. So, Yeah. I hope that makes Soparto happy. Uh, we love special teams.
0: <laughs> I wasn't trying to discount it at all. If you're
1: going to be mad at anybody, be mad at Connor. Not me. <laughs> I did kind of skip right by it, though. <laughs> it's like special teams. Who gives a shit about that? Be like, oh, you better be uh, careful what you say, bud.
0: I, hey, it's a third of the game, right? That's what, um
1: that's what Dick Baird says.
0: That's what Dick Baird says. Uh <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had anything else to touch on. I of the twenty I was just looking real quick of the twenty twenty two guys, I think the only guy that is enrolled early is Parker Brailsford. So gotcha. He's the he's the only guy I think that'll be there for spring ball at this point. Um unless yeah. so unless I'm mistaken. I I might not be seeing stuff correctly but that's that's the only name that i have right now so
1: i think that makes sense and parker's this he's a center on the offensive line really undersized you know right now yeah. think think of nick harris like extremely athletic offensive lineman probably a year or two away put on some weight and i think he'll be a damn good player
0: yeah yeah good to have because he i mean
1: He's not going to factor into the two deeps anytime no. soon. I don't think.
0: No, he's very, very light. But then he's again, we said that about right? Nick
1: Harris too, and he started as a true freshman. True. So who knows?
0: Yeah, who really knows? I mean, the one the one position on the along that offensive line you can get away with being a little bit smaller is center. Yeah. Um, and he's got like amazing technical skills and super athletic too. So hopefully, as he gains weight. All that stuff stays with him. I think it yeah. will because he's a really good athlete. But um, and I think Ron McKeefrey knows what the fuck he's doing in the strength and conditioning yes, program does. as well. So, um, so I think I think he's he's destined for good things, but like you said, Sam, probably 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 not factoring in this year. Um, yeah, I don't think I had much else to touch on. Um, yeah, those position group battles are really gonna be the the taka camp i think um Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll have a we'll probably have an episode maybe midway through camp we can kind of touch on some some topics that have been the biggest news out of camp at that point and then we'll hopefully kind of have a a wrap-up kind of at the end of at the end of spring maybe right after the spring game or something like that and tie a little bit of a bow on on spring football, getting ready for the season. Um, yeah. And there'll be some, rec- there should be some recruiting stuff in there as well. So,
1: yep. And speaking of which the spring game is on April 30th, mm-hmm. the word yep. that we have so far is that spring practice is going to be predominantly closed down to the public. I think the only access we'll have this year is that spring game. I know myself and daddy Sam are going to be there. Connor, I imagine we'll try to lure you out. And I'll try to make it, yeah. See if we can't get Geiger out there, get Justin to see that prolific I mean, passing he's, attack.
0: He's just got to see it once in person, and he's going to be hooked. You yeah. know it.
1: We'll get him so. out there, so we'll definitely be <laughs> reporting back after after our observations from spring game for sure. But market yeah, calendars, sure. it, it's always a fun time just to get into Husky Stadium. It's it free. Is. It's a yep. fun atmosphere. Usually April 30th, you kind of, I mean, the last couple ones that I've been to, been to, you get lucky with some nice weather. It's, it's yeah, a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fun day at the, at the stadium for sure. Um, they always have like a, like some like events and stuff kind of like leading up to it and after yeah. a little bit too, if, if they're doing somewhat of the same thing that they have done the last last couple of years. So um yeah definitely mark that on your calendars guys uh as far as episodes coming up i think next week we're gonna probably gonna do a mariners preview because believe it or not we got 10 days till baseball baby go nerds hey here's a little teaser for you guys julio rodriguez
1: (laughs) rodriguez (laughs) monkey shoulder
0: (laughs) monkey shoulders talking Julio Rodriguez, your starting center fielder.
1: Oh. So then Not the, out of the question. What's your outfield?
0: Probably Winker, Kalanick, and Rodriguez. Mitch Hanniger, might DH. And
1: then where's Kyle Lewis?
0: Kyle Lewis is injured still. He's going to miss the start of the season.
1: Mm-hmm. You can only have three outfielders, Connor. We got too many.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you're going to have to DH someone. Just rotate it, platoon it, whatever. Yeah. I'd rather DH an extra outfielder than freaking, what, the, Luis Tor- Torrens. Like, he's a good hitter, but, like, <laughs> that's not who I want as my DH.
1: Yeah, Hanniger as a DH would be nice.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, you could, you could platoon like you could have uh winker DH sometimes too. And he could probably play some first. I think, I, th- I think he was taking some ground balls at first as well. So that's it. We'll save most of that talk for next time, but yeah. I just, that, that was the one teaser. The second teaser, fifth starter, George Kirby. Oh, I heard he touched. These are both possibilities.
1: I heard he touched three figures the other day.
0: He was, he's a, uh, he's touching a Hyundai. Yeah. He's rolling it's... that up chin, ch- chin high.
1: Get off my plate some chin boy. music,
0: some chin music. Yeah, dude, that, uh, that could be fun. That could be fun. So yeah, we're about 10 days away from baseball starting nine days, I guess, if, as, as this episode is being released. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have some more off-season football stuff as well for you guys. Um, obviously, spring ball going on. That'll pro- predominantly be April, um, and then getting into late April, we'll have the draft. So yeah, we'll for, have to do a YouTube live.
1: YouTube live for sure with the number one we'll pick. We have to.
0: Yep. Yep. We'll for sure be doing be doing a YouTube live for that one. So be definitely looking out for that in about a month. Um, But we should have probably two or three episodes in between now and then, I think just with, with, with baseball starting up and then um, Husky, Husky spring practice. So keep it here, folks. We do have some episodes coming up, some, some good content coming your way. I know it's been a kind of a slow few months, mostly because the Kraken have fucking sucked and we haven't really wanted to talk about a shitty hockey team. So like um, I'm, I'm fired up to have NHL here, but like, that like no one's gonna listen to a podcast about a crappy hockey team right now. So and we don't really want to talk about it. So we'll 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 stay in our lane and talk about stuff that we know know about, you know, a little bit better. And um, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there.
1: <laughs> Someday.
0: <laughs> Someday. Someday. I mean they they added a lot of draft picks. I mean, they they certainly have the buildings of like becoming a dynasty
1: building for the future
0: yeah but it's like in three years so yeah we'll get back to you then with some cracking stuff
1: we'll be experts by then
0: (laughs) i hope so (laughs) all right thanks for listening folks as always we appreciate the support subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description until next time
1: go dogs